Spike budget, period. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the those foam spikes were made out of? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. at one point we see the the one character Daisy sitting on what looks like an ottoman <laughs> made of made spikes. of spikes. Everybody's outfit is spikes. Yeah. The walls There's are so many. Spikes. I do like the BDSM like cops though. I kind of yeah, wish real oh, police officers that. looked like yeah. that. You mentioned Judas Priest. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, that'd be a great Halloween costume. Yeah. Cop from Mario. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and then get angry when people don't recognize you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beat them to death. <laughs> Alright. So, products that miss the mark come out all the time, right? So, uh, but every once ISIS. in a <laughs> I can't think of one. No? No. But, uh, but Mil- every... Milk. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> but every once in a while, we are exposed to something so truly bizarre that it makes us, uh, that it makes us all go, how in the world does this even exist? Well, today we are here to break down what I would say is probably the strangest cross between the medium of film and the medium of video games. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, Is that that the official title? It it is just uh, Super Mario Brothers. It actually doesn't say the movie or the, but I think that's what I'm going to use for reference here. I also have super in all caps just because I think that emphasis is funny, but I'm pretty sure I did that in the Columbine episode as well. What, you capitalized Columbine? (laughs) No, just super. Columbine is a proper noun. Uh, Well, yeah, but it's not all capped. Oh, all caps. Oh, you don't all capitalize every proper noun you come across? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) But this is Hot Button. Uh, I am your host uh, for this stupid and wild ride of an episode, Randall Beatrice. And I'm here as always with Austin Blakesley yeah, yeah, yeah. and Chris Anantuano. Hey, it's uh, a me. <laughs> that would be the hey, most appropriate. It's a me, what? John Leguizamo. <laughs> okay, at first I was disappointed that that didn't come up in the movie. It didn't, yeah. It predated that, it. The movie predated yes. that whole thing, uh, right? I believe Mario did not have a voice. Until 64? No, until uh, Mario's Game Gallery, I think in 95. Oh, okay. Which was like a PC, like, I had that game as a kid, and then when Mario, Super Mario 64 came out in 96, that's when Charles Martinet kind of blew up into Woo-hoo! popularity. But I think that might have been his yeah, second that, venture sounded, in the voice of Mario. He sounded like this. <laughs> so you're saying Bob Hoskins is the canon voice of Mario then, because he was the first. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. it is. So perfect. But, uh, gentlemen, what did you all think of uh, 1993's most underrated film? I know it certainly wasn't your first venture into the world of Dino Hatton, but uh, as an older and wiser is adult, is that what the city's called? <laughs> it is. Dino Hatton. Oh God! But, uh, what are your fresh thoughts? I hate it now. <laughs> um, and I guess we should say, uh, Austin. I don't know if you want to point out we, but this will oh, be yeah. immediately following a uh, so, special release. Kind we, of. We uh, we all got in a group and watched the Super Mario Brothers movie Alcohol together. Yeah. Yep. Um, we had a couple of special guests, including our, our uh, until now unheard sound guy, Jason. Yes. <laughs> as well as... Uh, I subjected uh, many uh, people to this. Previous guest, Chelsea Romano. 
and a new guest. Future guest. Yeah. A future guest. <laughs> um, Melanie, who you guys don't know yet, but you will. Um, the three people are yeah. not here that uh, I think enjoyed the movie more than you guys. <laughs> I liked it. But okay. <laughs> it's not that the, I didn't like it. All right, we'll let Austin go first. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no, I probably I'm, have I'm less wait, to me, say. I don't know. Let me finish. <laughs> okay. So I didn't mention the... So we, we we recorded our thoughts while we were watching it, and uh, this it, was none of our first experience with this yes, movie. It, it can was theirs, it can yeah. sync up or not, Chelsea. Sorry, you can sync it up like a like a commentary, like a bunch of other podcasts have done. So yeah, that'll be out before this podcast releases. So if you haven't yet and Give you haven't time. seen the movie for context, go watch it. Yes, and good luck finding it. Also. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to watch it with us. Then yes. download the commentary and uh, sync it up and the, enjoy. How did this get made? Podcast yeah, said good. that this was on YouTube for free, but I can't verify that yeah, that's find true. Find it, find it in your local video store, because we definitely cannot endorse finding a website <laughs> that a certain election rigging country. <laughs> if you use their, uh, uh, you know, dot. Don't pay for this movie. Yeah. No, I would saying. never. I would never endorse going onto a site and downloading this illegally. Actually, never. do pay for this. Movie. Never. We did. Yeah, yes. absolutely pay for it. You would never go into like a site, like a torrent site. You would never do that. No, no. Like, oh, do you know anything like, you would never go on? Like yeah. the Sea of Thieves Bay. Pirate Bay. <laughs> sea of Thieves Bay. <laughs> Sid I, Meier's Pirate Bay. <laughs> Will Wright collabo. What a deep cut joke. Yeah. All right. Should we do the deeper one? Chuban. That's what you say when you duel somebody. Thoughts on the movie? Um, yeah. To make everybody angry, it's like Blade Runner, but better. <laughs> it's like Blade Runner 2049, but way worse. Um, I think Chris said that on the actual commentary. Yeah. But um, So, like, me and Randy went and saw the Assassin's Creed movie. Yeah. And it was garbage. Oh. Boy. Because they tried Magneto, right? Yeah, this is our first like movie-ish talk. It'll yeah, yeah, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is a little more directed um, to games, but they they try to get it just close enough and change just the wrong things. And this movie was just like, fuck it, dude. Uh, yeah, like the stuff they decided to keep. <laughs> it's real out of control. Like Mario's a plumber, which barely comes into play in the game, and that is. The Three entire, quarters yeah. of the plot of this movie is how much of a plumber he is. <laughs> hey, plumbers! <laughs> yeah, I think that's said like fifty times. It's a good derogatory movie. term. Like oh, goombas man. or dinosaurs. Like it's so bizarre. <laughs> it's like not even close to the point where I actually like it more than most video game movies. Doing all the research on this is like finding the line between liking something. Like ironically, before suddenly sort of realizing that maybe I do like it. Like th this <laughs> movie is out of control, but I I just I don't think you'll ever see anything like this happen again. Like like with respect to a property of that size. Like no. and yeah, so it's yeah, it's really something. I to be honest, I. I don't like bad movies. No, like, you don't get enjoyment I, out of. I know uh, people like watching bad movies. Sometimes like, I think, like also the Assassin's Creed movies. I think if a movie is tedious, it is not even fun to make fun of. It's just bad. I, I, I think I this agree. movie is bad in an interesting this way. This is bad in an interesting way. I I think I went into it just remembering like just like Ugh, this is just nonsense <laughs> and like it kind of threw me off a yeah. little bit. But like it's 
when I try to think of what you would make an actual Mario movie out of, it's a real fucked. Premise I don't know start, if they yeah. could have done any better. <laughs> yeah. Like realistically, like would you just make like a fantasy movie like Lord of the Rings? Like did you where see it's this just like oh, there's actual mushroom people <laughs> and actual like you know, would you make it like cutesy and lovable? Yeah, you'd either have to do it like Pixar animation. Or if you were going to take it seriously, you'd have to do gritty sci-fi, which they did. <laughs> so like now that I'm thinking about it out loud, this is probably the best interpretation of Mario in movie form that you could come Maybe. up with. Maybe, yeah. Well, it, it, live action. Out. Live did, action. Did you wise. see? Um, did you see this movie as a kid, or did you see this like as a? Probably like a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I think I saw it. I saw it as a little kid initially. I was very confused. Uh, I saw it as an adult last night and I was confused. <laughs> I think that's most of the reason I didn't like it is because I, it's so far flung from a Mario movie yeah. that it's just like a regular movie. And in that case, it's just, it's just like the plot just drags. It goes nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And I just hate that. Yeah. It is a bad movie, but it is fun as shit to watch it is. with it's, people. Yes, it's a very not even to experience. Not even to yeah. self-promote, but if, if any listeners out there are going to watch the movie yeah, before Yeah, get this, a six-pack and a bunch of friends around that, a TV. And... Well, yeah, or the commentary. Yeah, or listen to <laughs> yeah. us. <laughs> But yeah, I'd recommend if uh, if you don't want to listen to the commentary, to, to watch it with people because it's <laughs> yeah. It I don't know how much my opinion would have changed if like we're like all right everybody we're doing an episode on this you were at home let's do our homework and I had to watch it by myself <laughs> like I don't I don't pause think it I, six times yeah. to get up and do something else yeah yeah no if you play that commentary it's like we're right on the couch and floor with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, talking but, over the whole movie just like your real friends. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we're going to get into the history of this uh, and just how it came to be. Uh, we're going to so this is we're going to go all the way back. This, this movie came out in 93. So 65 million years ago in Brooklyn. That's how far <laughs> back we're going. I think we're actually going to go uh, this is around the time that Mario Brother Super Mario World was out in Japan but not out in the United States yet with mm. the launch of the, the Super Nintendo. Side note, do they know that Brooklyn wasn't named Brooklyn until like way later yeah in that movie they're like in the oh yeah it says Brooklyn 35 million well, no, years and then, ago and then 65, 65 million they wouldn't have been yeah. in the same place yeah. they also all had Brooklyn accents yeah. before <laughs> well then King Coop is like finally Brooklyn my home and I'm like dude you you left like 65 million years ago <laughs> it wasn't Brooklyn back then yeah Hey, <laughs> the fucking dinosaurs have like a fucking bad Italian <laughs> accents. I hate it. Italian Americans. Sorry yeah. for any real Italian. We'll get listeners. into uh, where they're that... much worse than Italian Americans. <laughs> and don't, we'll get into where that intro came from later, because believe it or not, that was the very last thing uh, added to that movie. <laughs> but it's easy to forget in the late '80s and early '90s that uh, Mario, Super Mario, if you will was the most recognizable character for kids on the planet. Yeah. Uh, a national survey... It's like PewDiePie now. Yeah. More than Gumby? <laughs> Y'all remember Gumby? There was uh, a He's nation- real big in the 20s or whatever. <laughs> Gumby. Uh, uh, a national survey uh, was taken in 1990, even prior to the release of the Super Nintendo in the United States, that he held more popularity in the general eye than fucking Mickey Mouse. Bet Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this was a Beatles situation. Maybe. I was more familiar with Mario than Jesus. We're bigger up. than Mario. <laughs> 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 but that's some serious pissing off Disney power. And this even went for uh, WB's like Looney Tunes, too. <laughs> Disney distributed the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> also, they owned everything. 
Wait, we hate this. Wait a second. We did some research. <laughs> Apparently, we own this. But I mean, isn't that uh, that Nintendo theme, like theme park? This, universal. It's Universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, Disney couldn't hold on to it. Yeah, so suck it, Disney. <laughs> but why wouldn't this be the case? The classic Mario games were fucking awesome, and he was in many ways credited to saving video games and making them cool for the home again. Like, like, yeah. and and I know we've referenced this all the time, but we will do a video game crash episode. And Mario was kind of like the the image of the savior, like for the for the format of game, like for the media the industry. Games. Yeah. yeah. And also, this all goes without saying this, like, this isn't, not to mention merchandising. Back then, Nintendo wasn't really as protective over their licenses as they are now. Uh, Sure, your local Target is probably still pretty loaded with plushies and other Mario goodness, but back then there was Mario, it was Mario fever. Uh, Like, there was Mario shampoo, Mario spaghettios, Mario books on cassette. Uh, I had them all. It was Mario Mario book on cassette. Yeah. Uh, in a pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> Three world. outdated things all in one. <laughs> you know, that deep Mario lore. <laughs> the whole Mario Cinematic Universe <laughs> of the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, pre, pre-MCU, the Red Cap Tiro ruled the shelves totally uncontested. Uh, Transformers Link? and G.I. Joe were out, and Mario was in. And remember, this was even before Star Wars came back to theaters and everything. Like, the, at this point... It was all about the Mario Brothers. Japan was ruling the world. <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to our... Um, uh, yeah, where you talk about the... Blade our E3 episode, because I talked about oh, how... Cyberpunk, yeah. Cyberpunk, about how, like, in the late 80s, early 90s, like, that aesthetic developed to be super Japanese, because everybody thought Japan was going to yeah. take over the world. But instead, it's just Mario's face everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Once again, like a bad dystopia, not a cool dystopia. Yeah, they get shot by drug dealers. They hop in the car. Take us to the hospital. It's you- to me. <laughs> <laughs> to me, your healthcare provider. <laughs> Could you imagine like a uh, alternate universe where it's like that cyberpunk future is the actual dystopia and their like fiction is like our dystopia? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Disney ruling yeah. like, it's mediocrity everywhere. <laughs> not that far off. I said this during the commentary too, but man, that movie is cyberpunk as fuck. It really is. Neon lights everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Mario Brothers were essentially a part of almost every venue you could reach. Uh, all, everything except for film. Comics were covered, cartoons were covered, even some with hilariously bizarre live action segments. I don't remember if you... You sent me mm-hmm. a, uh, a Snapchat the other day of something at your work that had... Uh, Rowdy Rodner, Rowdy oh, Rodney yeah, Piper yeah, yeah. on it, and that Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and he was playing bagpipes, and it made me laugh because the first, the only reason I kind of knew who that person was like because that 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 age of wrestling is like way before. Oh yeah, was yeah, he yeah. was a guest on that Super Mario Brothers like fucking we, that's comedy hour whatever that thing was that had glimpses of the cartoon oh, Super yeah. Mario Super Show that was the Super yeah, Show yeah that. the yeah. Super Mario Brothers Super Show and he was uh, on there playing bagpipes somehow he worse also, in this movie yeah he was also a playable character in Saints Row wasn't he probably I mean yeah. Burt Reynolds uh, yeah I think Rowdy Rowdy Piper was in <laughs> okay. Saints Row as himself alright um, yeah. but Vice President of Keith David Keith David um, but he still had yet to grace the silver screen, and Japan thought it was ready to make the jump. So, uh, let's get into the pitch of that. So, interestingly enough, the first person credited for bringing up the idea of a Super Mario Brothers movie to the big end was, uh, from a guy named Roland Joffe. Mr. Uh, Mario himself. <laughs> 
He was a, a British French director and producer, well known for his Oscar winning films, The Killing Fields and The Mission. Both very similar to Mario Brothers the movie, I know. <laughs> yeah, The Killing Fields, <laughs> just like Mario. <laughs> and trust me, it's actually weird uh, how much the Academy Awards are going to come up in here. Like, uh, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I knew they were just garbage. What? what? <laughs> But Curi- yeah. Curiously, what won the Academy Award in 93? Do you know? Uh, Philadelphia. Forrest Gump was a year later. Mm. It might have been Philadelphia. Yeah, not as good Which as Which will also Brothers come movie. up in our story. Philadelphia? Yeah. I'm from there. <laughs> yeah, so he, he apparently pitched the thought at a script meeting for his own production uh, production company, sorry, called Light Motive, uh, which we saw that logo pop up among with the that fucking theme song that we're all going to hear bam, forever. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> like, a really crappy rendition of it. But uh, Light Motive was a small studio that he helped form with a friend and producer, Ben Myron, in 1989. Uh, the newly formed group may have been relatively inexperienced, but Roland had multiple awards under his belt, and that was enough to grab the attention of Nintendo America's then-president at the time, Minoru Arakawa? Minoru Arakawa, I think that's right, uh, oh. for a meetup. Also, fun fact, Arakawa was the son-in-law of Nintendo of Japan's president, Hiroshi Yamauchi. So, some nepotism. <laughs> you were thinking it. I just I said was. it. <laughs> Also, uh, Unforgiven won Best Picture in 93. Oh, did it? Yeah. Okay. Not as Western. good. But it's, that's movies from 92, really. So, 90, oh, right. 94's Academy Awards. Is that Schindler's List? Ah, okay. That that I makes mean, sense. They, they basically lifted the plot wholesale from Mario Brothers, if you think. Oh, Schindler's List, yeah. 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 <laughs> Why do you think the last scene is the red... The what is it? Red shoe. The red right? coat. Red coat. <laughs> shoe. It's the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I don't remember. My mother got me Schindler's List, uh, the DVD for Christmas one what? year, and me and my brother watched That's it the on dark... the spot on Christmas what? Day. Oh my god! How old were you? Uh, like seventeen. That's 18. still no, probably like sixteen. It's a weird so. gift to give to anyone, really. I like movies. No, I like movies. Schindler's List is a good movie, but it's just not not in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> Um, but that- I could have got more, and he like pulls off like he pulls out a coin. <laughs> this could have got me five more. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, but the little girl with walking in the red coat just gets hit with a fire flower. <laughs> the weirdest crossover trick. <laughs> But the, uh, the first loose script and concept was out there from Jaffe, and the meeting must have gone well, because a month later, the producer was on a flight to Kyoto uh, for Arakawa's father-in-law, Hiroshi, uh, to meet him. After spending 10 days waiting uh, in Japan, Jaffe eventually received that phone call to head to the director of Nintendo's office. One short pitch what of... shit? 10 days? 10 days, he waited. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. I mean, cool, we get to hang out in Japan for 10 days. Hiroshi's a busy guy. When can I meet up? Yeah, Yeah, 10 days, maybe. (laughs) Uh, One short pitch of the general storyline to him, and the filmmaker left that day with a $2 million contract that personally gave him and his production company temporary control of the character Mario and his friends, while Nintendo, of course, retained all the merchandising rights through a creative partnership with Light Motive. Okay. I don't, are you going to get into the fact, was the movie the first pitch, or did it change? Oh, it changes. Okay. Many, say, many, many how times. How in the fuck did I don't that think they, fly I don't think they one. went to that meeting, and they were like, we want to make Blade Runner with Mario. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, okay. You know, <laughs> you know how, you know how in Mario Translation Brothers? error. 
You know how in Mario Brothers all the cars have a ta- antenna coming off them? They're attached to a grid that sparks the whole yeah. time. <laughs> we want to do that. We want to do that. I don't know. So, the, nightclub, the nightclub Mario, uh, the nightclub levels of the old Mario games are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But all this I find pretty funny because as uh, not only would Nintendo probably never do this again, but I actually can't seem to remember a lot of toy representation coming out alongside the release of this thing. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, though. I bet they probably backed off of that a little bit once this... Uh, <laughs> Me and Chris pull out our phones. Once this movie was getting wrapped up. I think I have... Um, some shit on Amazon. <laughs> I think I have, uh, like, an action figure. Uh, I think that there was a toy of, like, the cop car that I wanted when I was a kid. That's, like, the, one of the coolest things. It is, yeah. It was, it's great. One of the other things I found the most shocking about this deal was that when Hiroshi asked Roland, and, uh, fuck it, I'm gonna stick with uh, first names uh, from here on out. It's just easier. Uh, was why Nintendo should give away those rights to uh, a light motive over, say, an MGM or a Paramount or Universal. Roland responded with saying that a smaller company like theirs would mean that Nintendo would still, they, they would have way more control over the film's creativity compared to the larger studios. And yet, this was when Nintendo stated that they really had no interest in interfering with the production. Um, they believed that the Mario brand was strong enough to allow for such an American experiment. Roland was quoted to have said, I think they looked at the movie as some sort of strange creature that was kind of rather intriguing to see if we could walk or not. And kind of technically right, Mario was fine in the end. Uh, besides, they had video games to worry about, uh, something yeah. we weren't really on top of like, yet. Give it to a small studio so we can boss them around, but we're not going to say anything. Kind of, yeah. We'll just reserve our bossing around for if things get really out of hand. <laughs> Which they did. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, America wasn't really as on top of games at this point. Just, you know, but if it was one positive thing that we were known for back in the old US of A. Invading Middle Eastern countries for oil rights. It was Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) And then making movies about invading Middle Eastern countries. (laughs) So this is where this is gonna this is where it starts to get fucking weird, you guys. So before we get further into the pre-production of this thing, what exactly was the script? Uh, well, the first screenplay for what we just watched uh, last night was penned by Barry Moreau, better known as the Oscar-winning, told you, screenwriter for 1988's Rain Man, which will come into play right now when I tell you that the production team titled the first script that he wrote Drain Man. As, <laughs> as, the, as the story, no lie, followed brothers Mario and Luigi on an existential road trip in an eerily similar fashion to his previous award-winning film. Moro described the screenplay at the time as a, quote, study in contrast, like Laurel or Hardy or Abbott and Costello, that would have an odyssey and a quest, just like the game itself. Like Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, that game, like, that's, that's why yeah. that game was exactly like Rain Man. <laughs> our, our, first ca- <laughs> our first character <laughs> in the... You uh, play the box of Mario Odyssey just like, in quotes, exactly like Rain Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our first character in the story, by the way, did directly reference that they have indeed played the NES title. So wait, so instead of it's some weird... Fear, fear, loathing, lost mushroom kingdom. Let's fuck that Super Mario driving across the country. So is Luigi the autistic one? <laughs> He's always been the less capable brother. I mean, but. <laughs> 
So uh, co-producer of the project, Fred Caruso, said years later that Morrow's story was more of a serious drama piece as opposed to a fun comedy. Man, I, I would give my big toe to see that movie. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, anyway, this, this script really wasn't going to work. So it's time to bring in some more people. Uh, this time, it was writer team Jim Genowin and Thomas Parker, whose only previous works together included a movie called Stay Tuned, but they later went on to write the live-action versions of Richie Rich and the Flintstones movie. Another great one. Another winner. <laughs> so they were both tasked to try and create a more traditional adaptation of the video game. They decided the best path for this was to do the Stranger in a Strange Land journey, not unlike The Wizard of Oz or Alice in Wonderland. However, they also wanted to subvert fairy tale tropes and satirize them on top of the original premise of focusing on Martin Luigi's relationship. Essentially, what we did was what Shrek did, said Jim Genowin. He means the book Shrek, not the movie. Sorry, yeah. you guys. I know. Uh, <laughs> I already heard everybody get excited. And we know the movie had to be about the brothers and the emotional through line would be about the brothers. That's the, you know, you- the foundation for that pitch. To be totally honest, like you can't blame them. No, what's, everybody's trying. It's something. what's your source material? All right, this guy jumps over. Originally, this guy jumps over barrels, and an ape throw it at him. All right, <laughs> so I guess that can be the relationship between him and his mother. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, an expose in Game Informer stated this first version story was still pretty in line with its roots. Uh, Mario and Luigi. Its roots would... being a guy jumping over barrels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was Jumpman. He wasn't officially Mario. Uh, yes, Jumpman, Jumpman, Jumpman. <laughs> then boys up to something. Remember that Drake song? It's <laughs> about um, Mario. <laughs> Mario and Luigi would travel to the magical land of the Mushroom Kingdom run by evil King Koopa. In this draft, he was an actual green lizard. To rescue a kidnapped princess named Hildy. <laughs> Doesn't she already have a name in the game? Yeah. Throw it out. As he wanted to make her his bride in order to, ass- to assess the crown of invincibility, the Mario Classic bro- Mario item. <laughs> yeah. The Mario Brothers, with their trusty sidekick Toad, would set off on a quest to get her back and stop Koopa from obtaining the artifact. So it sounds like everything is kind of back on the right track, right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Mine not is Hildy in the Crown of Invincibility. <laughs> I mean, not entirely far off from the plot of Super Mario Odyssey. Like twenty-five years later, this was likely the closest thing that we were going to get to emulating the original game, anyway. But uh, now it's uh, time for a director. Which don't worry, that script is not done yet. But this is around the time that the they they had to get some people behind the uh, behind the camera. Their first pick was a guy named Greg Beeman. Likely from being hot off the heels of his first film, Licensed to Drive. However, once his second movie, Mom and Dad Save the World, bombed, he was dismissed by the producers. Mom and Dad Save the World. Did yeah. They redo that? Remake that movie? There, I mean, there's Sky a, High. The, Scott, is that kind of that? There's a movie called know, Mom and Dad kid, with Nick Cage about parents trying to kill the their world kid. And Sky High. No, no, I've just seen that recently on a streaming service. I don't know which one. I wouldn't be surprised if that did get remade. Yeah. And with pre-production already in full swing, don't worry, uh, he later became much more well-known for TV a decade or so later uh, with shows like Heroes in Smallville. If you've heard of the, like Heroes. Yeah, that yeah. was... Wait, what's this dude's name? Greg Beeman. Never heard of him. Yeah. Um, Heroes sucked. <laughs> next up to the plate, believe it or not, was Harold Ramis. Or at least that's what Joffe wanted anyway, but then the Ghostbusters director unfortunately declined... Despite being a fan of the game. Smart man. <laughs> yeah. At that point, he was uh, probably just way too busy. 
And it was at this point, though, that the producer started to feel a little, uh, a little defeated. I was about to say, he's probably the best chance of that movie ever being any sort of okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, while thinking that the path for the project was taking a wrong turn, he suddenly thought of Max Headroom, a satirical sci-fi television series that aired on ABC from 87 to 88 that was uh, about a futuristic dystopia ruled by an oligarchy of TV networks. The Ooh, series, weird. yeah, that sounds so strange. Sci-fi. <laughs> the series was short-lived, but well-liked in underground scenes due to its cyberpunk setting and counterculture themes. Why was this relevant? Well, it didn't take long for Roland to get in contact with the show's creators, uh, the uh, uh, husband and wife team uh, of uh, Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jenkel. Jenkel. Great names. <laughs> yeah. Made-up names. Those people are <laughs> criminals. Uh, and this is a quote from them. Yeah, they scammed a film studio. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a quote from them. We come from the Tim Burton School of Filmmaking. He, oh, he, he was much more respected at the time. I'd rather see a fucking Mario movie by him. <laughs> yeah. Old Tim Burton movies were pretty good. But because our background is in animation and comic books, uh, said Morton, with that and their pedigree of well-received music videos like Elvis Costello's Accidents Will Happen and Blind by the Talking Heads under their belt, the weirder directors were hired. Kind of a cool punk rock move, really. These were unconventional filmmakers that wanted to do a very unconventional thing. The whole idea of this undertaking was still kind of nuts. Their philosophy after getting attached was to, quote, start with something based in reality, then try to have fun and exaggerate it as much as possible. Producer Jaffe agreed on their approach, and the three of them also decided here that the movie would follow a more darker tone popularized in recent other box office successes like the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman and the live-action adaptation of the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. This wasn't Snow White and the Seven Dinosaurs, Joffy said. The Dino World was dark. Uh, we wanted, <laughs> we wanted, we didn't want to hold back. So you know, when I think Mario Brothers, I think guns, nightclubs, and of course, car chases. Are you fucking joking? That's no, that's mine. Quote? That's oh, mine. Okay. <laughs> okay. I editorialized a bit there at the end, but no, the uh, the, the the Dino World thing was, and not wanting to hold back was all him. Oh my god. <laughs> Fucking kidding me. Nintendo's still way hands-off right now, surprisingly. The one director, Rocky, said at this stage that he had met legendary game designer Shigeru Miyamoto only very briefly. Briefly as in like a half an hour. For a meeting where they assured... Plenty enough time to tell them that you're going to destroy your IP <laughs> with this movie. The meeting was where they assured them they could still pretty much do whatever they wanted. As long as it made its deadline. And apparently the big end was very strict when uh, when this thing was going to be out. That was, that was like... Huh. Yeah, which... Uh, I got another quote here. The movie had to be made by a certain date. Otherwise, there were all these financial penalties which added a lot of stress to the project. This sped up pre-production as well. Principal photography was already started. Sets were being built. They brought on the art director of fucking Blade Runner to design all this stuff, which is kind of badass in a stupid way. Me and Austin have said forever, like, why does this movie look like this? That's why. It literally looks like Blade Runner is yeah. the same art director. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, with this new version, they certainly couldn't stick with that old, colorful uh, kitty shit anymore. So here is apparently where one of the first major struggles came to fruition. The directors and producers just couldn't seem to agree on anything. More and more rewrites were getting issued. Writer team Dick Clement and Ian LaFranis... No, I think they have a de-evolution machine! <laughs> ...were brought in. Ryan Rowe, future writer of the Charlie's Angels movie, was also brought in. 
So many hands were on this thing. At one point, they thought it should just be a balls-to-the-wall action blockbuster inspired by Die Hard. So much that the script itself had a cameo of Bruce Willis in it as John McClane. Uh, What? (laughs) This must have been an afternoon. (laughs) Then it was going to be Mad Max-esque, complete with death races and all. Well, it's been. I wanted to make this joke last night. I didn't. When there's like during the car chase scene, I went right before they did like the slam on the brakes part, made them shoot each other. Yeah. Everybody said something. I was about to go like, no, just back up and shoot their balloons off, (laughs) and you'll be fine. So just where we are at here, it already started pulling from everything except the game series that it was named after. I know this this episode so far, so far has been very referential because that's just how the movie industry works. Like it's like, yeah. what if it was like this movie? What if it was like this one? Like they just look at what else is successful and then just ever, like they'll never make anything <laughs> uh, new or original anymore. But all the but all this definitely upset the studio. Uh, Light Motive was expecting a lighthearted kids film. <laughs> After all, most of the crew was signed on with uh, like similar expectations, adding a lot of tension to the already fast-tracked production. The studio thought everything looked too dark while pressing the husband and wife duo to lighten the tone. Yeah. Yo, make it like Mad Max, but lighten the tone. <laughs> this was when Light Motive brought in Ed Solomon, or better known as the co-writer of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, to write yet another version of the script on top of what the team had already had designed with that obviously did not match the like with the aesthetic of anything the directors already had. Yeah. Um, this was probably because the studio apparently barred the directors from communicating with Solomon during the writing process, only making everything more confusing. Um, Why? <laughs> also brought in at this time were Parker Bennett and Terry Runt, writers of a comedy movie called Mystery Date. These were the three writers to be credited in the end, but for those keeping track, this was <laughs> this was already nine writers overall that had worked <laughs> on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the final script was later revealed to have used Ghostbusters as a model. According to the team, Bennett said, we are aiming towards funny, but kind of weird and dark. Uh, I'd say they definitely got that last part anyway. Funny yeah, is subjective. Totally weird and dark. <laughs> yeah, funny is subjective. It was funny for but the wrong reasons. Yeah, it definitely still made me laugh, just probably not in the way that they intended. Yeah. It was also said to be a prequel by Morton, uh, if you will, <laughs> to the uh, original game telling the, quote, true story behind Nintendo's inspiration. For di- <laughs> <laughs> this is what the game is. Nintendo's inspiration. Producer Joffy viewed the Super Mario Brothers for NES as a mixture of Japanese fairy tales and bits of modern America. This is what led the direction for the actual setting of the movie to be a slightly mythic version of New York. Screenwriter Parker Bennett elaborated on this by saying, Our take on it was that Nintendo interpreted the events from our story and came up with the video game. We basically worked backwards. Yep. That. Yeah. That tracks. <laughs> yep, that's good. Yeah. Now, the concept the of the parallel universe featured in the film with dinosaurs inhabiting the alternate Earth was apparently uh, inspired by Dinosaur Land from the and now recently released and critically claimed Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. While the intelligent and gross-looking fungus scattered all over the place was inspired by the Mushroom Kingdom and also supposedly some tabloid articles about a newly discovered gigantic fungus. 
Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> the mushrooms in Mario are so cute. I know! Ooh, and then you see so this movie, and it's just fungus. like, no, yeah, that's what fungus actually looks like, dickheads. <laughs> but, like, that's not what they were going for in the game. I guess just throwing whatever's around you for your multi-million dollar movie project was kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, that guy was on his way to work. No fungus? Uh, yeah. Holy hell! <laughs> guys, I got an idea. Fungus? They got the mushroom guys in this game, right? Yeah, you know, one thing I will say, whoever did design the sets... Oh, we'll get to that with the fungus on them yeah they got to get that guy for the last of us it made me think of last yeah. of us way more than it did uh, uh-huh. mario so thematically it was aiming for something joffy called new brutalism a parody of new york and heavy industry a quote whole world with a reptile point of view dominated by aggressive primordial behavior and basic instinct combined with exploring the ecological and technological consequences of a dinosaur society that holds fossil fuels sacred this all makes sense (laughs) but why in this mario movie i just holding fossil fuels sacred could you imagine (laughs) new brutalism is two words that come to mind when i think mario I'm just going to let that sink in for a sec, because now that our screenplay is finalized, it's time to talk about everybody's favorite part, the cast. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, we all know whose wonderful mugs graced this picture in the end, but how did they get there? Well, we know Bruce Willis was considered (laughs) money for the role of John McClane at one point. (laughs) So let's start with Mario. Uh, Who were your first guesses, guys? Who Who do you think? All right, Mario, New Brutalism. Um, Joe Pesci. <laughs> Ooh, that's Vin a good Diesel. guess. Yeah. yeah, this might have been a little before his time. I don't Danny know, Mario DeVito. has hair. Danny DeVito, definitely. <laughs> Danny DeVito might come up. Um, and I'm like... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, was... All right, well, was your... Who played Arnold Batman? Schwartz? George Clooney. <laughs> but, well, was either of your first guesses Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> I mean, I should have seen it coming with the Rain Man thing. Right? Yeah, so I did say Rain Man earlier. <laughs> But that's right. After the rights to the film were secure, Hoppin was first to express interest in the role to light motive. However, Arakawa didn't uh, just didn't think he was the right man for the role. That was like one of the actual like. That's Finally, the, they stepped in. Yeah, they. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want a fatter, New brutalism, sure. We want a fatter, bolder guy. Yeah. <laughs> Then it was my personal favorite choice here, as Austin already guessed, Danny DeVito. Hell yeah, that would have been great. That would have been great, uh, except he unfortunately declined the position. Uh, same with Bruno Kirby and Cheech Marin. So, good Both add. same moves. Yeah. Cheech? Yeah. Just Mario High all the time. <laughs> I don't think great. Chong was going to be Luigi, though. That, now that's a movie I'd watch. <laughs> Uh, which leads us to probably one of the more well-known facts about this masterpiece, but still endlessly hilarious to me. I'm, I'm curious if you guys heard this before. This is when none other than Tom Hanks came in to accept uh, and wear the blue overalls. Um, blue overalls? Yeah. He wears red underneath of the blue overalls. Oh, oh. For some reason, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no blue Mario. <laughs> Uh, but, the uh, first Mario was blue with red overalls. <laughs> but yeah, Tom Hanks was going to be Mario. Uh, that is until the producers... Was Tim Allen going to be Luigi? <laughs> <laughs> that is until the producers told the Academy Award winning actor to walk after his recent string of box office failures like Turner and Hooch, Joe vs. the Volcano, and the Bonfire of the Vanities film. So, no no Mario Brothers... Tom Hanks wasn't good enough for the Mario movies, what they said. (laughs) No Mario Brothers for Tom. Guess he just had to stick with whatever else would get cheaply thrown at him uh, instead, right? 
Yeah. Like Apollo 13 that and year. Forrest Gump. Yeah, so that's yeah. all in here. So yeah, I was going to say, side note, Tom Hanks won the Best Actor Oscar the year Mario Brothers came out for his role in Philadelphia, and then also went on to do Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, and start voiceover work for Woody on Toy Story. So yeah, box fuck. office failures. And they were like, yeah, this guy's not going anywhere. <laughs> Even a Sleepless in Seattle rom-com that released like around the same time as our story today was quite the box office smash. It's a great movie. Now, that's some revenge. Jesus. What a dumb move. But good. I mean, good move. Because, yeah. yeah. When was Cast Away? Uh, that was a little 2000s. later. 2000s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Anyway, after this was when the script fell into the hands of our true Mario for the day, Bobby Hoskins. Which actually took some convincing. Initially, he was not a fan of the whimsical version of the script and had no wish to become a kid's actor. I'd done Roger Rabbit. I've done Hook. I didn't want to become like Dick Van Dyke, he said. Roger oh, Rabbit, not was. a children's film also. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. Roger Rabbit. That's yeah. where I know him from. Yeah, you crotchety Brit. Yeah. yeah it's a fucking awesome movie. I forgot that. I was like, where is this guy in? <laughs> when we were watching it. So uh, he was supposedly uh, another reason for the tone revisions of the screenplay as well, because he didn't, he didn't finally agree until it became what he wanted. Until it became new brutalism? <laughs> yeah. My new favorite phrase. <laughs> so when uh, when sent reference uh, pictures while being asked how he would prepare for the role, he responded with, I'm the right shape. I've got a mustache. I worked as a plumber's apprentice for about three weeks and set the plumber's boots on fire with a blowtorch. <laughs> He yeah, was, I, I think he already played a plumber in that movie Brazil as well, but he was essentially exclusively cast for his appearance. Bob was a no-brainer, said co-director Jankel. Uh, unabashed, shameless physical typecasting. Bob was brilliant at assuming the character in a slightly amplified way that would be in keeping with his supposed uh, subsequent game iteration. You know what? I will say, he was not bad. He did very good with what he yeah. was given. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I think yeah. it wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> a bad choice. He's not even the main character. You know, Mario. <laughs> the main character of Super Mario Brothers. Oh, and speaking of, by the way, there was uh, one other little problem uh, with this choice. And no, it wasn't that he wasn't Italian. It was that he had no idea that Super Mario Brothers was even a video game. Uh, Why it wasn't until filming already started that he had realized what he had signed on to do. According to the How Did This Get Made podcast, the realization occurred when his son asked him what he was working on. After Hoskins answered with the title of the film, the kid immediately responded with excitement, showing the game to him on his NES, in which he did not seem entirely thrilled with knowing that. Fucking video game. <laughs> But alas, we had our Mario, and they honestly thought Mr. Hoskins was the serious box office draw that they needed. Not Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. But now it's time for our Luigi, uh, which, interestingly enough, was actually not that big of a hunt. All they knew is that they were looking for someone funny and also someone taller than Mario to be part of the duo. <laughs> While Cody. Find me funny and tall. <laughs> How about Tom Hanks? <laughs> 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 While co-director Jenko was traveling to Chicago, they saw up-and-coming actor and comedian John Leguizamo performing and thought the decision for him as the younger brother was a no-brainer. 
We went to see him at Second City, the venue in question, and we were 100% sold. He had a wonderful combination of empathy and irreverence. It was not specifically scripted to be cast with a Hispanic or Latino actor, but it made perfect sense that the Mario Brothers themselves would be this contemporary, unconventional family. So the small unit of just two couldn't be pegged as one thing or another, he said. And unlike Hoskins, Leguizamo didn't, uh, didn't hesitate at the proposal. What I liked about the script was the adventure and the action that was involved when, uh, while also going on to joke that you always see a lot of Italians playing uh, Latin people like Al Pacino did in Scarface. Now it's our turn. <laughs> <laughs> so we got our brothers. Now it's time for our villain. First up was Kevin Costner, who quickly said, nope. <laughs> yeah. Others who turned down the role after him were uh, our previous hot-button character, Arnold Schwarzenegger, presumably during the action phase of that wacky-ass script, and Michael Keaton, <laughs> after the look became more inspired by the 89 Batman that I mentioned before. But neither were interested or available. Good. <laughs> Could you imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger in that? <laughs> no, but you know what? I think Michael Keaton would have been phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. I think he's he's interchangeable in this yeah. position. Then the script uh, fell into the agent of one Oscar-nominated Dennis Hopper, who accepted the position knowing the origin of the materials and attempt to connect and impress his son, who frequently played video games. You know, I, I've done Apocalypse Now, and it looks like you're going for a similar vibe, so <laughs> I'll take it. Just like Hoskins' kid, albeit with a much different setup and response. It's <laughs> just for the son connection. Now that we got uh, some big names in, it was much easier to fill out the like the rest. The damsel Princess Daisy would be This Is My Life, Samantha Mathis, while her king dad was Bishop from Alien, Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> Which I said that last night. People didn't know who I was talking about. Because this movie, that movie's garbage. You're garbage. What, Alien? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Get the you fuck like out of my house. <laughs> I do. I don't like aliens, though. Yeah. Then uh, Fisher Stevens of Short Circuit and uh, Hot Button Favorite Hackers <laughs> was to play one of Koopa's cousins, Iggy. Bebop. <laughs> Rocksteady. Mind you, all this was pre him becoming an Academy Award winning documentarian, of course. Yeah. He apparently did that movie, The Cove, if anybody uh, saw that. That was him. Yeah. The dolphin one. Yeah. The yeah, incredibly yeah, yeah. depressing yes. one. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah. He directed that. Cool. While Koopa's other cousin, Spike, is Richard Edson, who previously starred in numerous other films like Platoon, Dirty Dancing, and Good Morning Vietnam, Do the Right Thing. <laughs> but more importantly to me, was the original drummer for Sonic Youth, that I, 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 yeah, that, which just exploded out of me when we were watching it. because <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Turned uh, actor. <laughs> Wait, I have a quick question. Yeah. I was going to ask this last night, but I didn't want to interrupt the movie. Yeah. Is that Daisy's first appearance? Hmm. Because she, she wasn't in a Mario game until Mario like, Tennis, right? Like golf. No, Tennis was the... She uh, wasn't ten, in, tennis was Waluigi's she first She wasn't in three? No. No. She's she not in any Mario She's not in any of the Super Mario Brothers movies. She's not in any of the Mario Kart up until... This would be fucking weird. It was pro I think it was a Mario Golf game, but that still would have been after the fact. Super Mario Land released in 1989 for the Game Boy. Ah, okay, mm -hmm. okay. okay. Mm -hmm. And then NES Open here. Tournament Golf as Luigi's caddy. <laughs> she did not, Star. She not, did not appear in another game for nine years until 2000's Mario Tennis wow. for the N64. <laughs> now she's a Smash Brothers character. Yeah. All right. Yeah, she's Smash Brothers character, but so many so people get snubbed. <laughs> 
Uh, and the music connections uh, don't just end there. Psychobilly musician Mojo Nixon bizarrely became our toad. However, according to Nixon, this was only after their first choice, Tom Waits, was unavailable. Dude, that yeah, would have been fucking been awesome. That is right up Tom Waits' alley as being toad and Mario. Tom Waits, Tom Waits fucking killed it in yeah. Mystery Man. You remember that? Yeah. I know. And uh, Seven Psychopaths. Yes, he was very um, good. The production did always want a musician for the character, and after hearing that Waits was busy, Nixon's agent pitched him to the casting team as a quote third rate Tom Waits for half price <laughs> Dark. Gra- grabbing you, him the gig could you imagine being the half price Tom Waits like Tom Waits like Tom Waits is too expensive <laughs> but there's a round of characters Oh, and uh, sorry, I guess uh, also Dan Castellaneta from The Simpsons was the narrator. Don Lake from Police Academy was the sergeant. And uh, G- what is it? Gianni Russo from The Godfather was our fake governor of New York or whatever. I, like, uh, yeah. Wait, the head of the construction company? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Scapelli. Scapelli. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all your Mario favorites. And uh, Frank Welker did the voices for the Goombas and Yoshi, or as you called them... Uh, I just said it was Frank Oz. Frank Oz. <laughs> you remember when he got stabbed? What yeah. a movie. <laughs> remember when they turned the mayor guy into a monkey? A fantastic Classic. movie. <laughs> but all the Spoilers for those out there who haven't seen it. <laughs> but all the pieces were there, and that is where we're going to leave it for today. Uh, so join us next week when uh, shooting begins. Yeah. Um if you didn't shoot yourself before then. <laughs> All right. You want me to get some plugs in? Yeah. All right. Uh, first off, like I said, if you were uh, checking your Facebook or whatever at the beginning of the podcast, not paying attention, I don't know. Uh, we did a commentary. To Krista. What? <laughs> we did a commentary of this movie. Um, that'll be available before this episode. But like Randy said, this is going to be a multi-parter. So if you, lo- if you already made it all the way through this, but... Want some uh, some more hot button content before next week's episode comes out? Then um, check out the commentary that'll be available on our website hotbuttoncast.com. Yes, uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at hotbuttoncast. Keep up to date on the latest episodes, and then if you go to the website, we have links to all those as well as links to all of our feeds, which is basically anywhere podcasts are available but mainly google play spotify itunes and then our own pod bean feed yeah and tune in next week to see how this plays and out yeah tune in next week to hear uh i guess no chris is like part yeah. part yeah. of the rest of this story. this is pro- spoilers this is probably going to be a um, three parts it three looks parts like, yeah. yeah so i do um, pretty deep um, yeah <laughs> but, also um, uh we're recording this today on the 23rd birthday of the n64 whoa June happy birthday in 1996 yeah. Where's my Mario Brothers the movie the game? <laughs> Street Fighter got one. Yeah. The game's right. trash. Yeah. All right. I think that was a PS1 launch game. <laughs> and with that, we're out. Yeah. <laughs>